Welcome to History Books and Wine, where three author friends talk about books and fun historical tidbits, all while raising a glass of vino. We're your hosts, Lori and Bailey, Eliza Knight, and Madeline Martin. So, pour a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 34 of the History Books and Wine podcast. Lori Ann Bailey here, and I'm your host this week. I'm a National Reader's Choice and Holt Medallion award-winning author who writes Scottish historicals with hot Highland heroes and spunky independent lasses finding their perfect matches in the Scottish Highlands. We're talking about witches this week and we will be for several weeks to come because Eliza, Madeline, and I are all taking turns and I'm up first. And to go with this episode, I went to my wine cabinet and I found one that I thought looked the most appropriate for this episode and it was Bonterra Equinox Red. I thought that was the perfect solution because equinoxes and solstices are so important in paganism and that's associated with Wiccan as well. So I picked this Bonterra and it says twice a year the sun crosses the celestial equator resulting in a day and night of equal length. These occurrences are referred to as equinoxes and the twin links of day and night when they occur are among the many ways nature demonstrates balance. At Bonterra, we strive for a similar natural balance in our organic vineyards and in our wines. Equinox Red celebrates this vision, offering supple notes of juicy red and black fruit matched with a patina of intriguing spice herb, and oak tones. So I'm really excited to try a glass of this. Mmm, delicious. I hope you're enjoying something along with me as we dive into witches. And I'm kicking this segment off on the Pendle Witch Trials, also known as the Lancashire Witch Trials, of the year 1612 in an area around Pendle Hill in Lancashire. 12 people were charged with the murder of 10 people by the use of witchcraft. And to give you a little bit of context, this was a time after feudal communities exist, so people were no longer working for the benefit of all. Yeomans had their own lands and they were fenced off. There was no one to take care of those less fortunate and jobs were hard to find. The poor started taking to the streets and new laws called the Elizabethan Poor Law of 1601 were enacted in order to try to combat the problem. But this only caused resentment from those who were having to pay the extra taxes. So this story begins with a woman named Elizabeth Southern, who was also known as Old Dimdike. And previous to the trial starting, she claimed to have been begging in the streets 
and on her way home, she walked through a stone pit when she came upon the devil, disguised as a young boy. Then later on, she said that the devil came to her in the shape of a dog and sucked her blood. And you will see that that comes back into play later on. I'm thinking the reason she may have seen things is because she was in her 80s. She was nearly blind. She was poor and she was begging on the streets and living in a home that was almost like a hovel with only one set of clothes to her name. She lived with her daughter who was feared and misunderstood by the community because she had a facial disfigurement and a granddaughter who was apparently wild and stole when she couldn't beg. And her son also lived there with them. And it's sad, but because they were in poverty, they were already on the margins of society and they weren't viewed very well. Then there were stories about a woman, possibly Elizabeth, who was going door to door begging for milk. And when she was turned away, she muttered a curse at the owners and some of their livestock died. And this may be what started the rumors flying. Six of the Pendle witches came from one of two families, each at the time headed by a woman in her 80s, Elizabeth Southerns, who I already mentioned, and Anne Whittle, who was also known as Chaddix, and I will heretofore call her Chaddix. Most of the allegations resulted from accusations that members of the Dimdike and Chaddix families made against each other possibly because they were in competition, as both sets of them were trying to make a living from begging and extortion and from healing. The area of Pendle Hill was seen as a lawless place known for its thieves and sexual promiscuity. And wouldn't you know it, it's partially contributed to one of the people I blame on all kinds of things, and that would be... King Henry VIII, and his dissolution with the Catholic Church. Then, of course, Elizabeth I and James I put into place laws against witchcraft, which shut down the abbey in the area. So a lot of people were left religionless in this area. In early 1612, Lancashire's Justice of the Pieces were ordered to compile a list of recusants and those who refused to attend the English church and to take communion. It was with this that a justice of the peace named Roger Nowell investigated a complaint made to him by the family of John Law, who was a peddler. He claimed to have been injured by witchcraft. Many of the people who are later on implicated as this investigation progressed did consider themselves to be witches. And that's in the sense of being village healers who practiced magic, probably in return for payment. But such men and women were common in 16th century rural England and an accepted part of village life. So essentially, the laws against witchcraft were using witchcraft for harm. Old Dimdike's granddaughter, Allison, which is spelled A-L-I-Z-O-N, her name was 
Allison Device came across John Law, and that is that peddler I spoke of just a minute ago, and asked him for some pins. 17th century metal pins were handmade and relatively expensive, but they were frequently needed for medical purposes. And some of that was in healing. Some of it was for treating warts and divination and for love magic. Law refused to do business with Allison, and a few minutes later, Law stumbled and fell, probably suffering a stroke, but he managed to regain his feet and he made it to a nearby inn. Initially, he made no accusations against Allison, but she appears to have been convinced of her own powers. And when Law's son took her to visit his father a few days after the incident, she reportedly confessed and asked for Law's forgiveness. Allison Device, her mother Elizabeth, and her brother James were summoned to see Nowell. Allison confessed that she had sold her soul to the devil and that she had told him to lame John Law after he had called her a thief. Her brother, James, also said that his sister had confessed to bewitching a local child. Elizabeth only admitted that her mother, Old Demdike, had a mark on her body, something that many, including Nowell, would have regarded as a mark of the devil, And this is where her story comes in, where the devil was a dog and he sucked blood from her. It left a mark on her. Next, they were questioned about Anne Whittle, who is the Chaddix woman that I brought up earlier. She is the matriarch of the other family reportedly involved in witchcraft in and around Pendle. Allison may have seen an opportunity for revenge here because it was thought that At one point, the Chaddix family broke into their home. Allison accused Chaddix of murdering four men by witchcraft and of killing her father, John Device, who had died in 1601. She claimed that her father had been so frightened of old Chaddix that he had agreed to give her eight pounds of oatmeal each year in return for her promise not to hurt his family. The meal was handed over annually until the year before John's death. On his deathbed, John claimed that his sickness had been caused by Chaddix because they had not paid for protection. In April of 1612, Dimdike, Chaddix, and daughter, Anne Redfern, were summoned to appear before Nowell. Both Dimdike and Chaddix provided Nowell with some damaging confessions. Dimdike claimed that she had given her soul to the devil 20 years ago. And Chaddix said that she had given her soul to, I'm doing air quotes here, a thing like a Christian man on his promise that, more air quotes, she would not lack anything and would get any revenge she desired. Although Redfern made no confession Dimdike said that she had seen her making clay figures. Another witness, Margaret Crook, who was there, claimed that her brother had fallen sick and died after having a disagreement with Redfern, and that he had frequently blamed her for his illness. 
Based on the evidence and confessions he had obtained, Nowell committed Dimdike, Chaddix, Anne Redfern, and Allison Device to be tried for malficium, which is causing harm by witchcraft. It might have ended there with those four women, but Elizabeth Device, so Elizabeth was old Dimdike's daughter and Allison's mother set up a meeting at her home. And the purpose of this, I'm sure, was to figure out what to do because she's lost her mother and her daughter. But in order to feed this group of friends and sympathizers who came to their home, James Device stole a neighbor's sheep. Then word of that reached Roger Nowell, and he decided to investigate. As a result of the inquiry, Eight more people were accused of witchcraft and committed for trial. Elizabeth Device, James Device, Alice Nutter, Catherine Hewitt, John Bullcock, Jane Bullcock, Alice Gray, and Janet Preston. Of the 12 tried, one died in prison, and of the 11 who went to trial, nine were women and two were men, and 10 of them were found guilty and executed by hanging. One was found not guilty. There is so much more to this trial, but I'm running out of time, so I'm going to leave you with a juicy little tidbit here. Janet Device, who was Allison's own nine-year-old daughter, testified against her. Later on, that daughter is also accused of witchcraft, and there is a documentary that came out a couple years ago about it. It's called The Pindle Witch Child, and I will leave a link for that in the show notes if you're interested in watching it. I'm going to pause for a sip of this lovely Equinox red wine. Ah, really yummy. What I'm reading this week, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success how we can learn to fulfill our potential. After decades of research, world-renowned Stanford University psychologist Carol S. Dweck, PhD, discovered a simple but groundbreaking idea, the power of mindset. In this brilliant book, she shows how success in school, work, sports, the arts, and almost every area of human endeavor can be dramatically influenced by how we think about our talents and abilities. People with a fixed mindset, those who believe that abilities are fixed, are less likely to flourish than those with a growth mindset, those who believe that abilities can be developed. Mindset reveals how great parents, teachers, managers, and athletes can put this idea to use to foster outstanding accomplishment. With the right mindset, you can motivate those you lead, teach, and love to transform their lives and your own. I will include a link for this book in the show notes. So what I'm going to recommend today is Eight Kisses. It's a Hanukkah anthology that a friend of mine and I have put together, and it has some amazing stories in it. Here's a little bit about it. Hanukkah is the festival of lights, celebrating an ancient miracle with candles, fried food, and family gatherings. What better time to find true love? From Regency Scotland, that would be mine in there, to contemporary New York City, 
From sweet short stories to super spicy novellas, Eight Kisses spreads a feast of love. Interfaith opposites attract. A small town reunion offers a second chance. An interracial couple rises above initial misunderstandings. Online dating yields unexpected foodie dreams. A Jewish mourner discovers solace at a Catholic feast. A hometown visit heals old wounds. The girl next door is something more. Seasoned lovers reaffirm true love. Move over Christmas movies. Spin the dreidel, gobble the guilt, and devour a tower of latkes as you read these tales of Hanukkah love. Eight Kisses includes the following stories by USA Today bestselling authors, award-winning authors, and exciting debut authors. Lorianne Bailey with A Highlander for Hanukkah. Mindy Klasky with Harmony Lights. Rose Gray with Can't Help Falling. Michelle Mars with Frisky Connections. J.T. Silver with Love and Latkes. Aaron Eisenberg with Hanukkah Kisses. Lavinia Klein with Bubby Linda's Menorah, and Lynn Silver with Rededication. You guys really have to check this out. There are some amazing stories in this anthology. And I will include the link for this book in the show notes as well. It comes out November 12th, but it is available for pre-order now. This week's question comes from Fedora. What prompted your interest in the witch trials, Lorianne? Did you come upon it as a possible topic and find the research deepened your interest or vice versa? Well, Fedora, thank you for the question. And there is a story behind this. Madeline, Eliza, and I have talked about witch trials before and how interested we are in them. So part of our research here is wanting to expand on our own knowledge of the witch trials because we are fascinated with it. But the other part is that we have chosen to do one of our annual retreats in Salem in uh, not next year, but the following year. So we will be going to Salem and we thought we would do a little more research on that. And basically it's because we're interested in the history of witches and we thought we would share our enthusiasm with you guys. Now I have a question for readers. What are your favorite movies about witches? They can be fun, they can be spooky, or they can be educational. Uh, I would love to watch some more documentaries on witches because I'm learning all kinds of cool stuff and I'm going to tune in over the next month while Madeline and Eliza share what they're learning. But in the meantime, if you have movies about witches, I would love to hear about them. So email us. And you can do that at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. Look for our episodes every other Wednesday. Next up is Madeline Martin on October 24th, when she'll wow us with details of a witch trial of her choosing Then Eliza Knight on November 7th with the North Berwick Witch Trials. And you will get all of us on November 21st for our happy hour where we'll be diving into the Salem Witch Trials. So we're going to learn all about that together and we'll be prepared for our retreat when we have it. Our website is historybooksandwine.buzzsprout.com where we will have the show notes for today's episode. They can also be found on iTunes with our podcast. 
History, Books, and Wine can also be found on Spotify. And if you say, Alexa, play History, Books, and Wine podcast, she'll play you the most recent episode. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review and recommend us to your friends. And remember, you can always send us questions or comments at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Have an amazing week.